0: The Eastern Oklahoma Catholic Podcast is brought to you by the Office of Communications at the Diocese of Tulsa and Eastern Oklahoma. All right, everyone, welcome back. You're almost rid of me. Night three of our of our time together. Uh, I just want to just say a quick word, uh, just of, of of gratitude first to to Father Valentine. As I mentioned uh, in my homilies over the weekend, we've been. We've been friends for 21 years. And uh, just a great opportunity to, to get to spend some time with him. We've had lots of meals together. and um, But then just just good hospitality from, from everybody else. One that you've come several nights in a row, some of you. Uh, but just you know what you you're, think you're good at and something to build on, uh, making a, an outsider feel welcome. Um, that, that doesn't happen everywhere. Um, which actually we'll talk a little bit about tonight but anyway i just want to just a word of of gratitude for for being here so tonight i'm going to speak for maybe 40 minutes or so the last couple nights have been more close to an hour um and then we're going to have the opportunity for the sacrament of reconciliation there'll be three priests uh, here i'll be here father valentine will be here and then father mike Cashin is going to be coming from venita so you got some choices anyway we'll talk more about that um as we go so the night one we talked about um finding joy in lent not always easy to do but all year round um, christians because we know that jesus christ came and suffered and died and rose from the dead we have much to be joyful about so we can find joy even in lent joy in prayer joy in fasting joy in almsgiving And then last night, we just walked through the sacraments, the seven sacraments of the church and how we find joy in each of the sacraments. It's how God gives us his life. We are branches to the vine, and that's how God feeds us in baptism and confirmation in the Eucharist, in anointing of the sick, in confession that many will experience tonight and then through holy orders and the sacrament of marriage. So, tonight we're going to be a little more, um, maybe a little more practical, in the sense that we're going to talk about finding joy in the mission. Uh, the mission that each of us was given on the day of our baptism, is a mission to go out into the world and to preach the good news. It's not just the job of people dressed like me. Many times, uh, we can sort of say, well, yeah, I'm sure Father will get to that, right? But it's the job of every baptized person to evangelize. We're going to talk about that tonight. I want to begin where we began. I have lots of books up here today. Um, with John chapter 15 in um, the story of the vine and the branches, we cannot give what we do not have. And so we have to be branches As a parish, as individuals, as families, we have to be branches stuck to that vine so we can receive the nourishment that we need to be able to fulfill the mission that God calls us to. So I'm just going to read just a few verses of John chapter 15, lead a prayer, and we'll launch in to everything for tonight. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. From John chapter 15 I am the true vine and my father is the vine grower he takes away every branch in me that does not bear fruit and everyone that does he prunes so that it bears more fruit you are already being pruned because of the word that I spoke to you remain in me as I remain in you just as a branch cannot bear fruit on its own "'unless it remains on the vine. "'So neither can you, unless you remain in me. "'I am the vine, you are the branches. "'Whoever remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit, "'because without me, you can do nothing.'" Let us pray. (laughs) Loving Father, as we begin this night together, we ask once again for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit. As we dive deep into the great mission that you have given us to make disciples of all nations bless these parishes bless these families these individuals help us to live out our baptismal call strengthened in confirmation fed by the eucharist to go out into the world to be your hands and your feet we ask this all through jesus christ our lord amen In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, I want to begin uh, at the end of Mass. All right, so go back to Sunday. Go back to any Mass you've ever been to. What's the last thing you hear at Mass? All right, so think back. Let's go, we'll back it up. What's the first thing you hear at Mass? What's usually the first words out of the priest's mouth? Good morning sometimes, yeah, yeah. Um, The first thing the priest will say is, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, right? We do that with every Catholic thing that we do. We pray in the name of the Most Holy Trinity, So now, skip all the way through to the end. There might be some announcements. There's the prayer after communion. And then the priest says, the Lord be with you, and you say, and with your spirit. And then he says, may Almighty God bless you. And then he blesses you in the name of the most holy trinity that we started the Mass. He said, may Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then we say, amen. And then the priest, or if there's a deacon, they say something, and then you respond back. What does the priest or the deacon say? Some combination of go in peace. Here are, here are actually the four options. I got the, the missile right here. All right? So the priest or the deacon at the end of Mass can say one of four things. Go forth, the Mass is ended. Go and announce the Gospel of the Lord. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. Or go in peace. So you're going to hear one of those four each and every time you come to Mass. What is the common word? Well, peace is in there, too. What are the two common words? One is peace, and the other is go. And although our priests and deacons are generally uh, nice people, they're not asking you. This is not a, a, a kind request. Okay, everyone, if you're feeling up to it, you may now, if you want go out the doors, but if not, you can stick around, right? It's it's not something that's kind of wishy-washy. It's very blunt, and it's a command, and it's the command to get out, to go away. Now, that can come across, maybe you're just visiting for the first time, you're like, wow, look, that guy's, he didn't even say please, right? But it's a command. We're being told to go. And we're told in a couple of them to to go and to do something specific. One, to go in peace. We've just taken into our bodies the Eucharist, Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. So we're taking the peace that we've received in the Eucharist and we're taking that out into the world. We're told to go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. That's a beautiful command. Maybe one to think about during the week. When you're in those moments, when you're not feeling like you're particularly glorifying the Lord. right? To come back to that command at the end of Mass. And then the other one is you're, you're told to go and announce the gospel of the Lord. This is actually where the word Mass comes from. When we say that, oh yeah, we're going to to mass, you're going to Sunday mass. It comes from the Latin, ite, missa, est. We're being commanded to go and to go on mission. Mass, missa, mission. And so while the mass has good things for us, um, I like to go to mass. Um, there's a lot of good things about it. I like the music. I like the preaching. I like to hear the scriptures. I like to see people. I like the coffee and donuts, right? Those are, those are good things around the mass. But ultimately, what is the mass? The mass is the holy sacrifice of the mass where we come and the, the, the holy sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross is represented We're we're made present at Calvary. And then we're given a very specific mission to go out. Now, what is that mission? And this is where I think a lot of Catholics, and again, I'm not looking at anybody in particular, but I'm going to say this about most parishes and I'll start with my own most parishes, most people, most Catholics, are very content being Catholics. We like it. We're not going anywhere. But when we start to talk about evangelization, we get nervous. Because now that means I have to talk to someone else about my faith. I think for many of us, perhaps the way we were raised, maybe our parish growing up, That faith is something very private faith is something between me and God well it's not meant to be that way in fact from the moment of our baptism we were sent out or we are to be sent out on a very specific mission and the mission comes to us from the words of Jesus himself right before he ascends This is Mark chapter, excuse me, Matthew chapter 28. The commissioning of the disciples. Matthew 28. The 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had ordered them. When they saw him, they worshipped, but they doubted. Then Jesus approached and said to them, All power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. That's pretty straightforward. What's amazing though, is how seriously those 11 took that message. Because what those guys then did is they went out to the corners of the known universe and they preached the gospel. 11 of the 12 apostles, when Judas died, they replaced him with Matthias. 11 of the 12 apostles died as martyrs, they gave their life. For the faith just one the Apostle John didn't die a martyr but died proclaiming the good news and then if you look through the history of the church we have these unbelievable examples and role models of men and women who did what the Apostles did they took Matthew 28 they wrote it on their hearts and out they went my parish in Stillwater is called St. Francis Xavier Francis Xavier was one of the early followers of St. Ignatius in the 1500s. Came from a very wealthy family, a very learned man. Spent much of his kind of teenage years into his 20s studying philosophy and theology. Well, Jesus Christ set his heart on fire for mission. And so he left the comfort of Spain. And he got on a ship and he went off to India he landed on the west coast of India, not knowing what he would find there. And then what he did over the course of the rest of his life was he proclaimed the gospel. He would go to a particular town and he would learn their language. He would translate the Bible and the catechism into that native language. He would teach the catechists in that place and then he would move on. And he did that over and over and over and over again. Now he wasn't always so successful after India. He went to Japan in Japan. He didn't really have a whole lot of success. So it's not always going to go exactly how we want it to go. But we have these unbelievable examples right here in our own community. We have a beautiful model by the name of blessed Stanley Rother back in july of 1981 this priest from a little small town from Okarchi, oklahoma he was a priest of the diocese of then oklahoma and he went off to guatemala and he did what francis xavier did he learned the native language he translated the scriptures the catechism into the native language he preached the gospel It cost him his life. In July of 1981, he was murdered in his rectory. But what a beautiful missionary spirit those two had, and so many others in the great history of our church. But one of the misconceptions, I think, is that to be a missionary, to be an evangelizer, means you have to get on a ship and go to another country. Now, Father Valentine and I are from different countries. Father Valentine came from Nigeria, I came from Texas, okay? It's a very different kind of place. But we came to this place that we call Eastern Oklahoma and now have the opportunity to be missionaries, to be evangelizers. But I think far, far, far too often, I'll say this to to you all, to the lay faithful, way too often is the job of evangelization delegated to people dressed like me and Father Valentine. Because when we look at the mission field that's out there, there are a lot of places that Father Valentine and I don't get invited to. Like your family reunion... Did I get an invite and I just missed it? No, right? There are places that you're going to be that your priests are not. Around your family dinner table, at your family reunion, wherever you work or go to school. If I just come walking into prior high school, start walking down the hall, knocking on doors, hi, hello, I'm going to get thrown out. I don't belong there. I'm not welcome there, but you are. And so the job and the task of evangelization is the job of every single person. But we can't give what we don't have. And so we, want, we got to do more to know our faith. We got to be people of prayer. We got to be branches attached to that vine so that when those opportunities come, we're able to, by our word and by our example, preach the good news. Now, maybe you don't believe me. Maybe you say, I've never heard this before. This isn't the teaching of the church. Let me tell you about the catechism of the Catholic Church, which is the teaching of the church. And this is paragraph 851 of the catechism of the Catholic Church. And it says this, It is from God's love for all men that the church in every age receives both the obligation and the vigor of her missionary dynamism. For the love of Christ urges us on. Indeed, listen to this. Listen to this and let it sink deep. Indeed, God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Do we believe that? Do we believe that with all our hearts? If we don't, we got to get there. That God desires all men to be saved and to know the knowledge of truth. That is, God wills the salvation of everyone through the knowledge of the truth. Salvation is found in the truth. Those who obey the prompting of the spirit of truth are already on the way to salvation. But the church to whom this truth has been entrusted must go out to meet their desire so as to bring them the truth. Because she believes in God's universal plan of salvation, the church must be missionary. The church must be missionary, it's who we are. I saw a great line from Pope Benedict just the other day. He said, we cannot be true believers if we do not evangelize. Ouch. But we don't have to get on a ship and go to India. We don't have to get on a plane and go to Guatemala. There is a mission field right here in Pryor and Langley and Choteau and Inola and Locust Grove and a lot of you from some other places. The same is true in where I live in Stillwater. Um, The mission of my parish, we've kind of set this out and we put it out in front of everybody. The mission of St. Francis Xavier Catholic Church in Stillwater is the evangelization of Payne County, Oklahoma for Jesus Christ and his church that's what we're doing. And so when people come along, I got this request the other day of um, can th- this group wanted to, uh, and I'm not opposed to it. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of pickleball. Have you heard of pickleball? Well, we got a group that wants to play pickleball. And they wanted to do it in the gym. No problem. No, no big deal. But they wanted to do it at the same time as one of our Bible studies. All right, so now as a pastor, there's a decision to be made. Pickleball, which is good and fine. And Bible study. For me, that didn't take very long. It took half a second. I'm sorry, we don't have room for the pickleball. As good as that is, but go find another place, and we'll help you find another place. That Bible study is going to take precedence. Because it has to do with the mission of the evangelization of Payne County. So when we look at this parish, your parishes, when you look at your family, when you look at your life, how much of it is kind of inward focused, me and God, and how much of it is outward focused, where we're trying to bring other people into the mission of the church? There are, I think, two obstacles that I just want to challenge you with that happen in a lot of parishes. Two obstacles to evangelization. The first, I would just simply call it nostalgia. We long for a time that has passed. We maybe remember when this parish, there was maybe more people, or there was a different priest or the music was different, or somebody was around that you really liked and now they're gone. Um, We can live sometimes kind of stuck in the past of a time that maybe never was, or a time that is now gone. Um, I know a lot of priests post COVID, right? A lot of people who were kind of half in and half out are now out but you guys know who they are. You go to school with them, you work with them, you're their neighbors. There's an opportunity to begin to invite some of those folks back. In fact, to invite all of them back. And so we can kind of sit around and this happens a lot in parishes. Again, it happens in mine. We sit around and we say, oh man, this place was so much better back when there's this famous priest in Stillwater named Father Bob Schlitt, right? He was just a legend. People said, man, I liked it better when Father Bob was here. Somebody said that right to my face one time. I was like, well, what are you doing? But he was there for 20 plus years and was an amazing priest, right? He's dead, he's gone okay and so to kind of be stuck in a mode where man it would be so great if father bob were back father bob's not coming back okay so have good memories absolutely Um, to be able to thank god for the ministry of that particular priest in that particular place thanks be to god but now he's gone and so we have to focus on what is happening right here and right now? What is the concrete circumstances in which we are living right here in Pryor and Langley and in these communities? What is the current reality? What are the brutal facts of today? And so nostalgia can be a real obstacle. And so have good memories, but be careful when those conversations start and you're talking about, okay, what do we wanna do? What do we wanna, how do we wanna go out and bring people into the mission? Be careful when it starts sort of going back to that which was, that can't be brought back. So that's one obstacle, nostalgia. The other obstacle um, can be just, I would just simply put it this way, uh, a very inwardly focused parish or a very inwardly focused family or a very inwardly focused individual. Now we have to take care of ourselves, right? We got to pay the bills. Something's leaking, we got to fix it. There's all those things that happen. But I would say, especially on a Sunday, is to ask yourself, maybe kind of an examination of conscience for the parish. Ask yourself, what is the experience of a new person to your parish? If somebody walked in these doors or over in Langley and had never been to your church, maybe they were Catholic and are just kind of coming back. Maybe they're just, they've always heard about Catholics and are kind of interested. What is the experience from the time they drive through into the parking lot to the time they walk out the door? What experience have they had here? This is where joy comes in. Now, I'm not saying you have to be there at the front door and hug them, okay? That's a good way to make people never come back, all right? You don't have to be awkward, but is there, in these parishes, is there a joy that emanates out so that when people walk in the door, is it, is it friendly? Are the doors open? Are the lights on? Is there somebody there to say, Hey, welcome to St. Mark's. Is there somebody there to say, Hey, I'm sorry. I I haven't met you. What's your name? Those are small things that really make a person feel a little more at home and actually makes them want to come back. Is that the case? In these parishes, I think it is in some ways. I experienced it, but I'm, I don't think I'm a good test case, right? When priests walk in, people are like, "Oh my gosh, there's a priest!" You know. What about the average person when they walk through the doors? What is their experience? I think a lot of parishes, a lot of families, a lot of individuals. We, hey, I just want to come to mass. I just please let just let me go to mass. Please leave me alone I want to do my thing I want to get out of there that's not an evangelizing parish that's not an evangelizing situation and so that inward focus where we're just sort of only concerned about ourselves um, I have kind of a small rule in, in my parish um, and, and it's just simply this that there's no saved seats um, you may sit in the same place every week as many of you have sat in the same place for the last three nights but that's not your seat it's not um we have a rule where and and, and, you know when i say a rule we don't really enforce it but we have people they come and they just sit right on the aisle there's no one there but they just sit they sit right here well if it's especially if it's crowded and somebody wants to get in there it's kind of annoying. It's not very hospitable. Now, maybe you gotta sit on the aisle because you gotta go to the bathroom all the time, okay. Maybe you sit on the aisle because you got a baby and you need to be able to, to get out and nurse or to, to, to take, take them away if the baby's crying and making a, making a loud noise. Maybe there's reasons, but to have in your mind, what kind of vibe am I giving off to a new person? That inward focus can really um, make or break a person's experience in the life of the parish. There are now statistics that say that a person decides whether they will return to a church within the first three to five minutes that they pull in the parking lot. That's before Mass even starts. That's before the priest ever opens his mouth. That's before any musician plays an instrument. That experience of hospitality. What people want is they want to be loved. They want to be known. And what they want to see is joy. Joy is contagious. So again, it's not something artificial. We're not hugging them. We're not picking them up and carrying them around. Um, but what is that experience when a person walks through the door? So those two obstacles, nostalgia, kind of a constant looking back, and then that inward focus, where we're only really concerned about ourselves. Those, are, I think, are two ways where you as a parish, as parishes, um, can really look and say, what can we do better? Um, it comes down to just this issue of hospitality, um. God is calling us to be hospitable. And this is in the parish. This is also in our homes. This is just us out and about in the world. And we sing that song. We probably, I'm sure you sing it here. We sing it in Stillwater. They'll know we are Christians by our love. And so there's nothing more off-putting than somebody walking into a church and what do they find is a bunch of grumps. A bunch of people who... Aren't really very friendly, aren't very joyful. And again, not artificial, but coming from being branches on that vine, coming from, as we mentioned yesterday, the fruits of the Holy Spirit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, self control, all of those beautiful gifts that we were given in our baptism that were stirred up in us at our confirmation, that hospitality. What's it like for a newcomer? The great John Paul II was a missionary. Um, He was the pope for much of our lifetimes, 1978 to 2005. John Paul II was a very well-traveled man. This can't be proven, but I think it's true. He was seen in person by more people than anyone who's ever lived. He was seen in person by more people than anyone who's ever lived. He would go to the Philippines and have mass for four million. He would go to Los Angeles and have mass for a half a million. He would go all over the world. And what he did was he went proclaiming the good news. From the day that he was elected, October 1978, he echoed the words of Jesus by saying, be not afraid. Open wide the doors to Christ. We have nothing to fear. That's a beautiful gospel message that I hope we take seriously. When we're going out to evangelize, there's going to be some rejection. There's going to be some people who aren't really that interested in hearing the message of the gospel. They're going, you're going to invite them to come with you to mass or to some parish program, and they're going to say, I don't really want to. No, thank you. But we have to put aside that fear because we have this missionary mandate given to us on the day of our baptism to go and make disciples Of just some people. No! Of all nations. And that missionary call starts with us. Branches on the vine, strengthened by Christ to go out. So, John Paul II, one of the kind of major themes of his pontificate was something that he called the law of the gift. The law of the gift. And he said it this way, Man cannot fully find himself except through a sincere gift of himself. Man cannot fully find himself except through a sincere gift of himself. Our lives were meant to be given away. Our lives were meant to be given away. And that takes a lot of different forms. As a priest, all day, every day, my life is meant to be a gift to the people that I'm called to serve. In marriage, your life is meant to be a gift to your spouse, to your children and grandchildren. But it extends beyond that. In this community, in this parish, What specific gifts do you bring to the life of the parish? What specific gifts, what charisms do you have? Put it this way, what are you good at? What are you good at? Are you good at hospitality? Are you good at food? Are you good at standing at a door, smiling, and opening it? Some people aren't you know who you are. Some people aren't good at that. They're not extroverted, they're not super outwardly friendly, but some of you are. Some of you have really beautiful voices to be able to sing. And maybe you're you've never been invited to do that. Or maybe one time you tried to sing and it wasn't it didn't go all that well. It's time to try again. To take the gifts that God has given us and to put them at the service of the church, of the parish, and of this community. The law of the gift. Our lives were meant to be given away. And so we call that in my parish and around the country, we call that a life of stewardship. That everything we have is a gift from God. Everything. Everything we have that's good has been given to us by God. Not one thing, not one thing has not come about as a result of God's blessings. And so now, knowing that everything I have that's good has come from God, I now have to spend my life trying to give it back. The law of the gift. We do that in the areas of time and talent and treasure. This is not a pitch for money. Time is prayer. Talent is what are you good at? What does the parish need? How can I put my specific gifts? Are you good with young people? Maybe little kids, maybe teenagers. The parish needs you. Are you good at music? The parish needs you. Are you a friendly person? Are you outgoing? Are you a good teacher? The parish needs you. Are you someone who can cook and kind of maybe be behind the scenes? The parish needs you. Are you someone who can fix things? The parish needs you. That's the talents that God has given us. How can we put them at the service of the parish and of the larger church? It's how things get done. The law of the gift, our lives were meant to be given away. I'll close with a wonderful little prayer that comes from—we use this at my parish quite a bit—and it's just a little prayer of stewardship. And what it does is it speaks to the fact that each one of us has a role to play in the life of this church. Not one of us can say, I don't have a role to play. If you're baptized, you have a role to play. An important role to play. I've heard it said that you may be the only gospel someone ever hears. No, no pressure. right? That is a lot of pressure. You may be, you, you may be the only Catholic That somebody knows. You may be the only practicing Christian that somebody knows. And so to take that seriously, to be who God created you to be, to be that vine on the branch, and to live your life with great joy, ultimately that's what's going to be contagious. That's what's going to bring people in. And then once they get to this place, what will they find? Will they find joy? Will they find hospitality? Will they find kindness? That's the mission that we have. So this is just uh, a prayer for a stewardship parish, that life of time and talent and treasure. So I'm gonna close with this, and then uh, just two kind of closing comments. One is um, I've been recording these each night Um, And so what I'll do is I'll put um, a little paper out on the table. If you'd like me to email the talks, I I know I got emails from a number of you last night. I'm happy to email those to you. Um, And then you can, if if it's helpful, you want to send it on to somebody else, that'd be great. Um, And then I'm going to just invite Father Valentine up and we'll just talk a little bit about uh, the sacrament of reconciliation and getting rid of that sin, even if it's been a while. Um, that will add to uh, the mission. By getting rid of those sins, receiving God's mercy, we're able to more freely go out. So let us pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, my parish is composed of people like me. I help make it what it is. It will be friendly if I am. Its pews will be filled if I help fill them. It will do great work if I work. It will make generous gifts to many causes if I am a generous giver. It will bring other people into its worship and fellowship if I invite and bring them. It will be a parish of loyalty and love, of fearlessness and faith, A parish with a noble spirit, if I, who make it what it is, am filled with these same things. Therefore, with your help, O God, I shall dedicate myself to the task of being all things that I want my parish to be. We ask this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Follow and subscribe in your podcast app for updates and notifications when new content is released. And thank you for listening. Together, our faith goes further.